Welcome to another episode of A Figure Focus. I'm your host, Ephraim Agbelli, CPA, Managing Director of EFS Group PLLC, and also founder of this amazing podcast, A Figure Focus. Today, we have another really, really great uh, conversation, right? We're going to talk about a lot of different things. I have a special guest on the show. She came all the way from Mississippi, y'all. She got on the plane, came all the way from Mississippi, took some time away from her business to come be on this episode. So this is going to be amazing. We have Amika Coleman of Stranded Faith. Yes. <laughs> How's it going? It's going good. Yes? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Good. You know, I, I know it's been rainy, right? Yeah. You know, the whole day and everything, yeah. but you made it through. You know, yes. how, how long was the flight? It was about... 55 minutes, actually, from Jackson to Houston, straight shot. That's what I love about flying. Uh, when I do fly Southwest, it's a straight shot, so no layovers. Um, so it was awesome. I love it. I love it. So we're going to talk about a lot today. But, you know, as is customary with every episode, we always talk about you, you know, the founder. Yes. Your story. Mm -hmm. Right. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you got started. So I am originally from Jackson, Mississippi, um, and after, so I went to Mississippi State University. After Mississippi State, oh, wow. I went to, I left Mississippi and went to Texas. To your bulldog. Yes, I'm a bulldog. Okay. Go bulldog. <laughs> woo woo. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so after that, I went to Texas and I think that's when I could say that I've kind of like grew up or got exposed to things that I kind of wasn't, um, exposed to beforehand, mm -hmm. uh, mostly career wise and, uh, meeting with different people, you know, in the South is mainly kind of like white black orientation. But when right. I came to Dallas, actually it's like a melting pot. You meet so many different people, so many right. backgrounds, so many ethnicities, personalities, and everything. Um, so that whole experience was great. But fast forward, I got a master's in clinical research. So my career was in clinical research prior to starting Strands of Faith. Um, and basically what I did was I traveled around the U.S., went to different various um, clinical sites to monitor the records to make sure that, you know, they were um, following FDA guidelines when it came to the subjects in the trial and things like that. Mm -hmm. So really, really, really did enjoy that. Fast forward. Um, 2018, I launched Strands of Faith, um, and then in 2019 is when I resigned from my career. But a little bit about Strands of Faith, I don't know if you want to ask me any specific questions because I'm yeah. just like no, you, putting you it all can, out there. Yeah. The, well, I, I, so yeah. you you grew up in Jackson, Mississippi. Yes. Went to Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. And then did you after you graduated, did you come to Dallas directly or were you in Mississippi for a little bit? I was. So I did... Undergraduate at Mississippi State, and then when I left there, yep, I came straight to, I went to University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I was at Fort Worth there. That's where I did my master's in clinical research. And then I worked at the VA in Dallas for a couple yeah. of years. Um, and then that's when I switched over to um, clinical research on the monitoring and traveling side. Yeah. And then after that, um, we thought we were going to be in Dallas for a while, but my husband had the opportunity to, you know, move back to Mississippi for a job. Yeah. Just so happened since I was traveling and my job was technically like remote, um, it made it to where I could move back to Mississippi and still travel. And that worked out perfectly because, yeah. um, I don't know, I just feel like I was really setting the stage without yeah. me knowing it because he knew that SOF was going to come about yeah. and that it was going to be headquartered there. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
You're, so you mentioned you have a husband right? yes. and you have a family. Yes. Did you two meet in Mississippi and then move to the Dallas Forward Metroplex or did you meet in Dallas? We met at Mississippi State, actually. Oh, yeah. so y'all went to college together. Yes. Yeah, oh, we, wow. went to, <laughs> we went to um, school together. Um, Dan was actually working at Mississippi State there. And then he left. You know, you always hear about what would you do for love? You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he came, uh, he left his job and he came with me to Dallas. And yeah. so when he came out to Dallas, um, you know, at the time he had experience, he had the education and right. we kind of assumed, I thought it was going to be very easy for him to get a job. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't the case. Um, he didn't find a job right away. And so he... Shout out to, let me just say shout out to Dan. He's awesome. Shout out to Dan. I haven't met you yet, but shout out to you. Yes. <laughs> he, like, during that time, um, you know, it's me and how it is. You guys are head of households and right. you have responsibilities and things like that. So it was very tough time for him um, not finding a job during that time. So he went to work um, at Bath and Body Works in North okay. Park Mall. North um, Park Mall. Yes. That's one of my favorite malls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Yes, he actually, yeah, so he went to work there, and it was, every time I think about it, I'm like, wow, like, this dude, at the time, he had a, a, a his doctorate degree, mm -hmm. but it just goes to show that he put, he didn't have any pride to put to the side because it was about his family, so right. he did that, and um, he worked there for a little while, but then, fast forward, the job came along, that's how we ended up going back to Mississippi, and now, you know, the rest is history, so... <laughs> I love it. I love that, that story, you know, because, you know, you're starting a business, you have a family and everything. Right. And there's things a lot of people, they see where you are now. Right. But right. They, they don't necessarily know the full story of how yes. you got there. Yes. There's so many different um, bumps along the journey. Right. And some of those bumps might include like, you know, some spouse not working or, you know, right. being off of a job that they really want to work in for mm -hmm. a period of time mm -hmm. and making it through that, you mm -hmm. know, and it could easily be yourself. It could easily be the husband, right. but working through those things, starting a family, you know, and then the business and everything. So shout out to y'all. You know, that's yep. a beautiful story. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I love Thank it. And I'm sure a lot of people who are watching, you know, can take something from that. Yeah. So y'all moved back to Mississippi mm -hmm. once the job came. Mm -hmm. um, was it always in your plans to move back to Mississippi? You know, actually, it wasn't because at the time, you know, Mississippi, my home state, love Mississippi to death. Mississippi get a bad rap. And I think, <laughs> you know, I mentioned this kind of like one time before about how we we're first in the bad things and last in the good mm -hmm. things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, when they leave, they don't really have intentions on going back. And so for me, it's not that I didn't have any intentions on going back. Um, it was just that I didn't really like think about it, but that's why I feel like it was kind of God ordained and orchestrated because when the job came up and we moved back, um, everything just worked out perfectly because all our family is there, right. um, was able to build a business from scratch there. And so now, being able to control that narrative in Mississippi. Uh, for example, being able to hop on a plane and come here, you know, right. it's not so bad living in Mississippi as, um, you know, someone would probably pay to be, at least from my perspective. I can only right. speak for me. So, yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've never been to Mississippi, but, you know, 
I, I want to go visit yeah. you know, one of these days because mm -hmm. I, I actually that's one of my goals to like touch every state right okay yeah in the United States so Mississippi is definitely on the list okay. or whatnot Go, shout out to Deion Sanders too. I see what, what you're doing out there at Jackson State University. Oh yeah, <laughs> shout out to Deion. He's really doing some good things at JSU. Yeah, yeah I so. love it. So you said something in the story. You said that you started Strands of Faith mm -hmm. in 2018. Yes. That's only like four years ago. Yes. And what point, like, in that four years, did you have, I guess, any business experience before you started in 2018? Like, how did? What made you want to get started? Great question. Great question, mm -hmm. because um, I had zero business experience. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward back to what I call back in the day, back in the day. So I first went natural in 2006. Um, this is when natural wasn't, quote unquote, popping. It was kind of like one of those things where, like, are you crazy? Like, what you doing? Um, I still remember. And I tell this story every now and then. But I, I went natural cut all my hair off. You know what a big chop is? Mm -hmm. My hair was probably about two inches taller than your hair right now. <laughs> and I remember this guy who I was friends with at the time told me, he was like, well, hit me back up when your hair grow back. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, hey, are you kidding me? Yeah. And it's funny, like, thinking about it now, like, you know, thinking back on it, because I'm like, wow, the audacity. And then mm. fast forward some years later, back in the inbox with, you know, a new tune with a hair back, you know? Right. But <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy how that happens? <laughs> yeah, but, like, so basically that's where things started. Um, I was passionate about natural hair, embracing my hair, you know, the way that God created me. Mm -hmm. um, so I created an Instagram where I used to, like, do different hairstyles and mm. um, share it, you know, among just women and empowering and, you know, encouraging them to explore, you know, the same, whatever. Um, so it was just passion for me at that time. Um, and then um, when I started my career in clinical research, I never thought that I would start a business. And the thing was when I was doing clinical research, the reason why this comes full circle, how it does is when I was in the lab, I used to go to the lab uh, sometimes for like 10 to 11 hour stretches, um, creating wow. these nanoparticles. It's like a nanoparticle delivery system where we would take like a anti-cancer drug, mm -hmm. uh, put it in this little, it was like a little clear envelope thing. Um, and the goal was to see if we could get the cancer drug to kind of like target the healthy cells mm. without damaging, I mean, target the um, cancer cells without damaging the healthy cells. Mm. Um, so I think that's when I was first introduced to formulating, which is now, you know, manufacturing and formulating products. Um, but yeah, I had zero idea that I would start a business. I had zero experience. Everything that I've learned up until now has been self-taught trial area experience that type of thing so. it's amazing it's amazing because you know we've had a lot of conversations mm -hmm. over like the past couple of years that we've known each other mm -hmm. virtually I guess yes. you say. <laughs> yes it's our first time meeting each other in person you know, yes. but, um you know your business knowledge is is very very like high level and vast mm -hmm. which is what i think that's one of the reasons why i wanted you to come on the podcast and mm -hmm. really talk with me about you know how you got started and everything right. so um how did you like learn so much in such a short time? Ooh, so I naturally have like an inclination for knowledge. Like I am a student of knowledge. I love learning. Like I used to literally go to school to get degrees just because I love learning, <laughs> even with no intentions of 
by the way, I did get an MBA, but at the time when I got my MBA, it was for the purpose of wanting to learn in general. At that time, I still didn't know I was going to start a business, um, but I'm just a self-learner. I invest in masterminds, courses, programs. Mm. Google is my friend. Let me tell you, my husband says, you don't have to ask Google for anything. Come to me because he know if he come to me, I already went to Google went to, <laughs> to, to figure it out. So right. I'm just like a learner by nature. And I believe that learning is never ending. Like you will never, ever learn at all. I don't mm. care. You get the six figures, the seven figures, eight, nine, ten, whatever figure number wise, you'll never you know, know everything. And so just being a constant student, that's how I obtain, you know, knowledge over time and I just compound that. it. Yeah. So professional development, like constantly, yes. you know, yes. seeking knowledge and information. Yes. Yes. I love that. And one of the things that we didn't talk about, you know, in your story was that you have four beautiful children. Mm -hmm. Right. And. You had, I wonder, how many did you have? I think you probably had two of them before the business started. Yes, two before the business started. Right, and, and then two after. And then two after. You know, and, <sighs> and just from where you started in 2018 to where you are now, juggling all that, let's talk about that real quick. Like, how are you able to juggle the business mm -hmm. and the growth, right? Because you've had tremendous growth and also the family at the same time. Whew, let me tell you. So in the beginning, <laughs> um, in the beginning, when I was working full time on the road, traveling and then having two at home, um, it was tough. And that was the actually the phase where you're building from scratch. Right. right. So, of course, that time required a lot of hours, a lot of um, energy put into it. And so that was a phase that I couldn't necessarily bypass. And so one thing that helped really there was having a super duper supportive husband who he knew this, you know, once the um, the the whole vision came to fruit, like this is what's going to be like. He backed me up a million percent, like mm -hmm. no questions asked. And so that gave me the confidence to be able to say, OK, I'm going to go all in on this. This is what I need to do. I have the support. Um, so those with the first two kids, that's kind of how I got through that. Then in 2019, I got pregnant and mm -hmm. that was the year. So I got pregnant, still working, still doing a business mind you i'm in the kitchen mixing product oh, <laughs> I'm, in, wow. I'm in the kitchen just whipping this like, <laughs> just everything and so that of course as you can imagine being pregnant that was a lot and so i made a decision at that moment it was like early 2019 i said that at the end of 2019 when i come out from maternity leave at that point i have to make a decision to not go back to work you know to make right. you know so i um strategically plan for the business to be doing um, to a certain level where I could, you know, make that happen. So I, at the end of my maternity leave, I put in my notice, started working full time for myself, took the leap of faith, bet on myself. And that kind of helped take off the stress of working and doing both. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was 2019. And then, of course, eight months ago, we just had um, number four. Um, mm. So now you know, wow. I have team in place to kind of help. And that has helped a lot with this portion of it. So that's amazing. Because like, like you're saying, like you were juggling the job, mm -hmm. you were juggling the business growing and you were juggling the family. Yes. Right. Like all those things, literally all those three things by themselves would already be a lot. And then doing all three of them together. Like it's amazing that you've been able to grow the way you have. Thank you. You know, mm -hmm. so let, let's talk about strands of faith. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, 
you started in 2018. Mm -hmm. How quickly was it till you reached like the seven figure mark mm -hmm. in your business? Like, was it like by year three, four? It was by, so 2018, we reached seven figures in 2020. So that's two years. Okay. By the end of 2020. So about two and a half years, um, we reached a seven figure mark. Um, and that growth happened pretty fast, um, comparatively, you know, to stats is, you know, um, from scratch. I mean, mind you, like at the time, we didn't have any funding. We didn't have any outside loans from like, um, the banks or anything. Right. It was, um, uh, fully funded. My, mm, excuse me, fully funded from my personal savings, credit cards and things like that. Mm. Um, and then revenue. So right. revenue kind of, you know, reinvesting. Helped. Yes, re <laughs> a lot of reinvesting. I made it a goal to not pay myself and put myself on payroll until um, two and a half years in. Um, mm. So those first two and a half years was strictly reinvesting. Um, and I wow. think had it not been for that, then that, you know, latter portion wouldn't have happened as fast as it did. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, too. But what do you think was the catalyst for you? jumping there in two and a half years so quickly so uh actually a couple of things and as many of you watching may know especially if you're in the e-commerce space um the pandemic which was an unfortunate thing that happened um it happened in 2020 um so of course you know since i had already spent 2019 laying the foundations and getting proper systems in place mm -hmm. um that was just like gasoline on a fire you mm -hmm. know <laughs> for right. 2020 um so we were able to to basically have that to work for us in a good way, work in our mm -hmm. favor. Um, and so that's kind of what helped propel that. And so since then, it's just kind of been like a maintenance mode and, you know, doing things and putting things in place to kind of make, make sure that we're able to continue to elevate, you know, over and beyond. So, yeah. When you said the pandemic, like, did you do anything different during then? Were you just pretty much doing the same things? Put, did you put any more money into marketing? Like oh, yeah. So the start of the pandemic, we actually elevated we were already doing some facebook marketing advertising instagram uh but we increased our budgets and kind of just let it fly yeah. <laughs> and that helped a lot because yeah. as you know people were at home in front of right. their computers a lot of downtime so they were seeing um you know more ads um so that got us way more impressions made way more eyeballs on our brand exposure um so that helped a lot yeah. <laughs> to help. That's really, really good. Yeah. So you you hit the seven figure mark by the end of 2020, mm -hmm. and we're in 2022. Yes. But I'm still just thinking about how quickly everything happened for mm -hmm. you. You know, um, what when you look at your business right now, what phase are you in in the business? Like, like, what do you think is the next jump for you? I think we're in the we're still in the growth slash I guess it depends on some people consider growth and scale two different things. Right. My focus now is to get to the multiple million dollars a year mm -hmm. um, in revenue. Um, and of course, you know, being profitable while doing so. So I would say that's probably the immediate next step. I like mm -hmm. it. I like it. And how, how big is your team? We have a full-time team of three right now. And then we oh, also nice. have several contractors who uh, may come in, you know, different various times of the seasons, especially Q4, as you know, right. which is big for uh, e-commerce. So, yeah. But we do have a full-time team of three, um, and they are amazing. And the reason why 
I have a little bit of sanity these days. <laughs> <laughs> so are you managing all of them or do you have people that are probably managing? Like, how does that work? So I am currently doing the management. Um, the goal is I really want to get an operations manager in. Mm -hmm. um, that's been on the vision board for a little while, but I'm very strategic in everything I do. Like things have to be lined up to a certain level, you know, before I just make moves. But um, so I'm doing all the management. I'm still doing a lot of uh, management on, you know, different roles among the business. And the goal is to get the SOPs set up, get everything mm. in place, get everything organized so that I can start delegating out those roles so that I can, you know, pull myself back yeah. completely or yeah. almost completely. <laughs> no, that's great. So, you know, we speak from time to time, you know, mm. via DM on Instagram mm. and, you know, a few times on the phone. Mm -hmm. But what I can gather from speaking with you is that numbers are very important to you, like data. Yes. Right. Um, like, where did that come from and how has knowing your numbers helped you in being a better business owner? So the backstory to that, you know how who we are as adults and how we think and how our mind is framed. It can always kind of trace back to childhood or something that we experienced, right. whether it was a trauma or whether it was a, a experience or whatever the case it may be. Um, Oh, I'm trying to see how I say this. <laughs> I'll just say that I have a I have a family member who um, I've witnessed and watch how they, you know, handle numbers um, mm. that probably didn't necessarily work in their favor all the time. Right. And so for me in that learning experience and the outcomes in regards to that, I was like, OK, this is what I would do differently. So I've all when I first went into business, I went in with the mindset, number one, taxes you don't play with it. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? Like I came in, um, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Profit First. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I we're, came. We're Profit First professionals. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> but um, so I came in immediately without, with the Profit First, you know, the account set up and all mm -hmm. that and the, the allocation, like this is going to go to taxes. This is not my money. This is going to go here. This is going to go there. So um, having that in place kind of helped me to set that foundation so that even now with some of these things that have unfolded, it kind of helped me to stay af afloat. Um, but knowing numbers is super important when it comes mm. to growth. Like it's impossible to get to the next level without keying in and knowing exactly, you know, where your numbers are on the, on the scale, whether it's, you know, the margins, your, um, you know, your cost of goods sold, uh, you know, the shipping costs, all those things included. Um, I think it's, it is something that's like essential for all business owners to know. Yeah. Especially in e-commerce, right? Cause there's so many, I always say like the most important pieces of, you know, an e-commerce business, obviously is the marketing, mm -hmm. right? Cause you have to know, Okay, if I'm spending on ads for each of these different things, whether it's TikTok, right. um, Facebook, YouTube, mm -hmm. what's my ROA? What's mm -hmm. the ROAS? You right. know, what am I getting back? Right. right? Um, and then also influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, what am I getting out of that? Really measuring that. And mm -hmm. then also you have the inventory. Right. Yes. It's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Measuring that and knowing the data around that. Right. And then obviously you also have the labor part of the business, payroll and things like yes. that. Yes. But those are the three major categories for e-commerce. Yes. And it's like knowing those that data intently, right, is gonna really help you to accelerate. Right. And with e-commerce, from my experience, because you know, we work with a lot of right. e-commerce ladies, right? Um, 
having access to capital mm -hmm. to help fuel you. Once you have that plan, that money plan, now you and you have access to money, you can just really, really accelerate, right? Because mm -hmm. you have your foundation together. You have your team clicking in all the right cylinders. Mm -hmm. You know how much you need to spend mm -hmm. on marketing that's going to help you to get to this uh, dollar amount. You know how much inventory you need to buy, right? Because right? a lot of people tend to overbuy inventory. Yep. No, right? you're spot on with all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're so spot. And one thing you said about when you know all of that and you get money, now when you get that money, you know which buckets to put it into that's going to help you. Like I hear a lot of new entrepreneurs, they're always saying that, oh, I can't get started because I don't have the funds or the lack of resources. I probably, when I first started, may have thought that, but now being in it, I see it's actually the opposite because mm -hmm. if you have a new idea, you're starting a business and someone drops off 50K in your lap, if you haven't trialed and errored and test the market or whatever, you aren't going to know what to do with the 50K. That's just going to be pure burn through money. That money's gone. It's exactly. Good. <laughs> yes. It's gone. It's like, it's nothing that's going to come, you know, from it yeah. majority of the time, you know, but for someone who has everything in a row, they can say, okay, I'm going to take that 50K. I know that if I put this money into Facebook, I'm going to get a 3X ROAS, you know, automatically. So that's 150K. You just flip that. Right. And so that's a good use of your money that way. So I think knowing numbers is super duper important. Yeah. How did you come up with your pricing? Did you work with an accountant or did you kind of do that on your own at the very beginning? So I did it on my own in the very beginning. Um, there's a software, I want to say Priceomatic. Um, and mm. you basically, you know, since we do manufacture, um, whenever I source ingredients and things, you know, of course those things ch change, but I have complete control over the process, building out the ingredients mm. and knowing how much it's going to cost me. Um, so I just basically build it out and I can, you know, see exactly how much each unit is going to cost me down from one unit or if I do batches, multiple batches at a time. I love it. I love it. So Priceomatic. Mm -hmm. for people yep. that's good Cause i think a lot of times um how i see pricing normally done before they come to us right is that they look at how much money they spent on the product mm -hmm. and then they'll probably double it or whatnot you oh, know gosh, or hopefully yeah. triple or however much mm -hmm. you know but then they're not factoring in the marketing spend right mm -hmm. the labor just mm -hmm. all the other expense the overhead exactly all that can eat into you know your, your profit yes so let's say your margins are, are small to where, let's say you sold a million dollars, but your cost of goods sold that you sold to make that million is 800,000. Mm -hmm. Now you have 200 grand to literally pay for your marketing, your um, your team, yes. your utilities, yes. like everything else, mm -hmm. right? Your softwares. Right. And then now, you know, you're breaking even or you're probably at, at a loss. Exactly. You know, so yep. knowing your numbers as far as pricing goes and just in general is right. so important. It no, it's like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just beat it in and <laughs> in because it's so important. And a lot of people, when they um, price, when you start with the incorrect price, it's like you're working against yourself and you can't win. It's like a losing battle because if you go to market, like you say, if you're trying to market, um, I don't know, let's just say your, you know, your break even is. A lot of people go on Facebook and they think, oh, one is a break even. But mm -hmm. technically, that's not the case. You have to factor in your cost of goods and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so if your break even after all that come out to a two and then you're getting, um, you know, two eggs on Facebook, that's 
you're break even now. You know, right. you're not making any profit. So now you have to make sure the back end is tight so that you can bring in, you know, profit on that. But when you price um, too low in the beginning, it kind of prevents you from going to that next level because you can't market. Like mm. you squeeze yourself out of that part to market, which is, you know, essential to yeah. any business. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you like really figured it out in the beginning, because I think a lot of times people tend to not figure it out and then they're making money. Right. right. But then they're realizing that the, one of the main reasons why you're making money is because you're so cheap, you know, as yes. far as the, the product that you're yes. selling. Yes. So now when you come to the realization that, oh, I need to raise my prices, mm -hmm. that's a mentally exhausting thing for some people. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a scary thing yes. because now it's like, do I have the ability to raise my prices and mm -hmm. keep my clientele, my customers? Right. Right. Um, so it's really good to know your numbers and know your pricing in the very beginning. Yes, absolutely. I love it. So one of the things that you do that I like, because we, you know, we've had experience working with people in the hair care industry mm -hmm. um, and the margins tend to be, you know, not the greatest. Right. But, you know, in speaking with you, one of the things that I saw, I noticed that you do is you manufacture in-house. Mm -hmm. What made you want to do all that? Like, obviously, you know, your background, you know, being a clinician and everything um, and just really diving into that, you know, that kept your your mind on saying, OK, I, I want to do this. But right. um, what's making you want to still keep it in-house versus outsourcing it like you see a lot of people do or buying wholesale? Right. Really good question. <laughs> and that's something that in the beginning I really whew, almost stressed me out because I'm like, <laughs> OK, which route do I want to go? Because the thing is, I'm always whenever I make a decision, I look far into the future right. to see, you know, how it's going to play out. Um, and in the beginning, it's easier to buy wholesale or to buy units that's already made because all you have to do is put your label on it and it's easy to resell. Um, it's harder to manufacture because at that time you're mixing buckets, you're doing all of this. It's a lot of more labor involved. Mm -hmm. um, so you're like, oh my gosh, is this worth it? Um, and so at that point, I had to make a decision. Okay, am I going to keep this in the house or I'm going to go this route? Well, I'm a person who I love um, just the whole transparency of it. I love being able to control the process from start to finish. Um, I can know what ingredients go in my products. Uh, I can control just the whole customer experience when mm -hmm. it comes to, you know, manufacturing and then, of course, the shipping and things like that. Um, but having manufacturing a house, I have complete control. As you talked about margins, I have control right. of my margins, um, the forecasting ordering ingredients, whether they're in bulk, like it's much easier for me to maintain, you know, control mm -hmm. over the entire process. Um, so I would say the control was probably one of the main reasons why we're still um, doing it in-house, even as we've continued to grow. Um, yeah, I would definitely say, yeah, that's the number one reason. <laughs> I love it. So you started out doing it yourself. Are you still doing it yourself or do you have someone that's taking over <gasps> that from you? Yeah, so I actually... It's still crazy to think about because I remember making a post about this, but I actually manufactured by hand all the way up through 2020. Mind you, 2020 oh, wow. was the first year we did seven figures. So right. the whole year, I think um, I hired our um, project manager, like uh, warehouse manager, like in November. Mm -hmm. So from that whole year, from January to November, I was <laughs> still mixing those products. Wow. Several thousand of units. I still 
don't see how I did it, but God. <laughs> well, I don't see how I did it, but what, what um, DJ Khaled say, God did yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was like, um, at that point, I'm like, okay, another thing that was a bottleneck to get to the next level. I knew I couldn't continue to, you know, move at that level. So I knew I had to hire someone. So I um, brought someone in, taught him, you know, how to manufacture. So he, that's what he does full time now. He mm. manufactures all our products and it's, a huge relief. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm grateful for him. <laughs> no, I, I like that. I like how you figured out that, it, you know what, at this point in the business, it's time to hire this person. Mm -hmm. And this hiring this person is actually going to take work off my plate and it's right. going to double our capacity to yes. where we can now grow even bigger. Yes. You know, and I think a lot of times it is kind of difficult to figure out when is the right time to hire someone? Mm -hmm. When is the right time to say this is the position that we're going to hire for versus this position. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you've done that. <laughs> or whatnot. This is amazing. Do you, and then do you have a warehouse in Mississippi or? Yes. Talk about your like setup. Oh yeah. That's a really good question. Cause I always, whenever I talk about this setup, I always have to go back to the faith shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So it's called the faith shit. Well, the the second part of it. Okay. So so when I started like from the kitchen part, so once we grew out the kitchen, it got to the point to where I was like, again, I'm very lean. I'm very, you know, when you're bootstrapping, you got to say the coins and make it work. Right. right. So I was like, OK, I can't go from my kitchen to go and leasing or renting a place because I need to, you know, I need that money to reinvest. So I was like, OK, what can I do? That's when I. um came up with the idea of the faith shed. That's what mm. I call the faith shed. So I built a shed in my backyard. Like, have you ever heard of the she shed? Yeah. Like when people, yeah. So it's kind of like that concept. Same, same concept. Yeah. Okay. Um, But I got it custom built. I, um, it was actually kind of fun when I think about it because it felt like I was building a house, Um, you know, because it was custom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I got that built in the backyard we were in the shed for about nine months. I thought we were going to be there for two years, but then the pandemic came. So that mm. helped with the next level of growth. Um, so then in 2020, that's when we moved to the Faith House. So that's the warehouse. Okay. <laughs> so do you still have the Faith Shed as well? Or? Well, we moved to a different home and okay. we left it there. So. Oh, you left it there? <laughs> yeah. So the Faith Shed is there. It was too big to move. You're right. And, yeah. But um, so, yeah. But now the uh, warehouse that we have uh, is office space and combined with the warehouse space. I like that. Man, it's nice. How's the rent in Mississippi, by the way? Like, like uh, leasing? Leasing. Rent? Yeah. In comparison to what? Like well, Houston? Yeah. <laughs> um, like a major city, I guess you could say. You know, I was talking to a friend and she was telling me about a building that she got. But it was, so my warehouse space is 3,000 square feet. And I think what she had was like probably two times that. And so her lease was three times the amount of Mississippi. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it. Is she like in a major city? She's here. Oh, in Houston. In Houston. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, the, the real estate has definitely gone up. So yeah, I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think has been the hardest part of running and operating Strands of Faith? The hardest part for me ooh, from beginning to now will probably be mindset, that mm. mindset elevation. Um, man, 
they don't tell you, let me, if, if don't nobody tell you, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you start running a business and when you grow a business, you're going to grow on yeah. a personal level. Like you're going to elevate in ways that you didn't even think was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't even put into words. I don't know if you've experienced it too, but that's been the hardest part for me. Um, shattering the limiting beliefs, um, mm-hmm. imposter syndrome. That was yeah. very big in the beginning. Um, just oh, coming into my own and realizing that, okay, the success, the success of my business is basically on my back. It's nobody else's responsibility is mine. And so if I want this big thing, whatever those goals may be, I have to become that person to get those things, you know? Um, And that took a lot. That took a lot of um, just getting out of my way, being realistic with myself, um, staring my flaws in the face and say, okay, flaw, there you go. But Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do. We're going to get to the next level, you know? So I would say the mindset part has been the absolute. Yeah. That's, that's huge because a lot of people would probably say, you know, hiring people and stuff and Mm -hmm. things like that, which I'm sure is difficult, Mm -hmm. you know, but the mindset part is an overlooked part of growth, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even in leadership, you know, as you're managing people, you have to elevate and become a different person. Yes. If you aren't are or already born with like the leadership qualities, mm-hmm. right? You have to personally develop. You have to do a lot okay. of things to make yourself better. Yes. Right. So I like I like that mindset answer. Yes. You know. <laughs> so you've reached seven figures, you reached it in two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, this is a figure focus, right? Yes. So <laughs> in order for you, in your opinion, to hit eight figures. What do you think that you need to do differently? Is it just more capacity, like a bigger space, more people, more team, more marketing? Or what do you think will help you? I think at this point and seeing that it's just at the tip and it's possible, I think for me right now, it would just be the right team Mm. and possibly even additional financial resources. Um, Mm. The structure is there. Like the infrastructure, everything is there. Um, and up until this point, you know, by God's grace, I've been able to utilize resources I've had and stretched it to this point to get here. So I think now having um, additional help in a form of maybe even mentorship of someone who's done it and they can peer in and see, OK, this is this is all you have to do that. Um, and then also we have some things in place that will help with additional you know, seven figures. Um, but that requires team because of course, you know, I can't do it all. Like all of right. it. If you will see my list <laughs> of stuff that I have laid out on paper, like this, this is to implement like the strategy. This strategy. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it's all there, but in order to get that implemented, it will have to have the proper team in place. So. Right. Wow. And then, you know, in e-commerce, as you're hiring people and, you know, you have to pay them properly, mm-hmm. that that does eat into profits, right? right. So now your um, output has to be even more. The volume has to be higher. Exactly. Just to really cover all to that. To cover, yep. Either that or you have to have, like you said, some funding, whether right. it's venture capital mm-hmm. or, or even like lines of credits and loans and right. stuff like that. So yep. I know that you mentioned that you had you know, gone out and tested the markets when it came to like loans and line of credit just Mm -hmm. to see what was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, How was that process? How was that experience? So it was actually, it was actually pretty good. I did it because I always heard that you should go out and get 
money when you don't need it yeah. <laughs> versus when you need it. Right. So I wanted to kind of see, okay, where do I stand and what can I get? And I went to one particular bank um, to see how the line of credit would work. Um, and so, you know, I had to, oh my gosh, it feels like you, like, you know, you're buying a house and you got to turn in yeah. all these documents. It almost kind of <laughs> feel like that. But they requested like so many things, you know, like, you know, the three years of P&L, um, all these things. And so in order to kind of like guarantee that line of credit, I had to put up, um, you know, business type of collateral. I mean, it was separate mm. from my personal, which is why you want to make sure that you keep them separate and build up your business credit. Right. Um, so they were able to use like some equipment that I had, um, you know, some assets to kind of like back that line mm. of credit. Um, and so he gave me, you know, the figure and, you know, told me how it worked. But I didn't take it at the time because mm. Um, what made you not take it? Was it you didn't feel like you were ready for it? Or was it like the interest rates? It was, if I could be honest, and this is part of that mindset thing. Yeah. Uh, from the beginning, I had this idea that I wanted to build a debt-free business, right? Mm. Because in my mind, I thought the debt was bad. Right. You know, um, it wasn't until later that I realized that most of these big businesses out of here, out here, they're utilizing yeah. what they say, OPP, other yeah, people's money. Other people's money. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, I think for me, the reason why I didn't take it was because was because I had money in the bank. And I didn't necessarily need it. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to take all, like, bite off more than I can chew, take something that I didn't need when I had it, you know. Right. Um, but that was just an exercise for me to test to see how the process goes so that when the time came, those ducks would be in a row. Yeah. yeah. That's really, really good and transparent. How long ago was that? That was actually about this time last year. Okay. So about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I, like you, was someone that felt that debt, you know, was a bad thing, you know, mm -hmm. for so long. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm big in like Dave Ramsey and all that. Yeah. You know? But uh, one of the things that, you know, as I started to really learn more and read more and just talk to different people, mm -hmm. I started to realize that debt on a personal level isn't necessarily the best thing, but debt in a business is actually can yes. help you accelerate, right? Yes. And when we look at a lot of our counterparts that are out here accelerating, mm -hmm. a lot of them have backing behind right. them, whether it's the bank, whether it's, you know, friends that have mm -hmm. money that can lend into their business, mm -hmm. whether it's investors. Right. They have that type of thing, you know, and I feel like we're just now touching that iceberg, right? Now, right. you know, because of everything that happened in 2020 mm -hmm. with George Floyd, a lot of banks and different people are saying, you know what, I want to do my part. I want to um, put money into, you know, black and brown businesses mm -hmm. and really help them to grow. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting access to money. Right. Obviously, um, when COVID happened, you had a lot of money that was coming in, whether it was PPP, EIDL. You know, we had clients that they got all that money and they would like sit on it and not really spend it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? You right. know, because in the community, we always talk about. If I had this yeah. X amount of dollars, if I had this much money, yeah. I'd be able to just accelerate. Right. And then now it's in front of us and <laughs> we're not really yeah. doing what we yeah. thought we were going to do. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, we, we definitely work with a lot of them to develop a plan, you know, because I think a lot of them were just like, hey, if I had a plan on what I would do with this money, then I would feel more comfortable. Right. Because I don't want it to be a situation where I spend all this money. Let's say I throw 50000 of that and I put it into Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And I take 40000 and I put it into inventory. Mm -hmm. And then 10000 into team or whatever, right? 
And then now, let's say the $50,000 that I put into the ads doesn't really return me anything. Right. right. We don't really think about, even if you got a 2x return, that's still better than a 1x return. Right. Taking, a breaking yep. even or right. a loss. Right. But right. we look at Facebook ads at times like, oh, I need to make a bunch of money because that's what we were used to back in the day. Right. Right. But, you know, we look at it from the standpoint of if I put this money into the ads, it may not return me back what I needed to. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to have all this inventory that I purchased sitting and then now I'm not going to be able to accelerate. Mm -hmm. Right. But looking at your historical data, mm -hmm. you know, and seeing, OK, these are my sales trends for the past few months. Right. This is um, how much inventory I need to buy mm -hmm. for, you know, for the past few months that I've been in business and really looking at that and using that to guide you, mm -hmm. which goes back to our conversation as far as like numbers and data. Yes. Right? But putting yes. that plan together, I think, um, is so key yes. for us when it comes to like getting funding and lending and all kinds of things. Right. You know, no. so I, I, <laughs> I was long winded on that, but I felt <laughs> like it was important because. I feel like that's going to be a recurring theme, right? When we talk to, I have a lot of these conversations where we're going to see like, hey, we had access to money, but we didn't necessarily have a plan around it. Mm -hmm. And really getting comfortable around debt, I think, is something that's extremely important. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's, I agree. yeah. <laughs> so if you were to revisit that, I guess, a year later with what you know now, and they came back to you and they said, hey, Amika, like, we still got this money available for you. What would you do? I would go hard on customer acquisition. Okay. okay? <laughs> Listen, I would, yeah, I would go hard on customer acquisition. The whole landscape of Facebook, like you said, um, the point that you made about, okay, I don't want to put this money into, let's just say if that one was to break even, they were getting two. Um, and they were like, okay, I don't want to put this because I'm only getting a two, where they may be used to getting a five back, right. you know, in pandemic. The thing you have to, the whole Facebook thing, you have to do a myself shift, period. Like mm. anything over break even at this point, in my opinion, is good. Um, and you have to go in with the mindset, okay, customer acquisition first, build the customer, nurture the customer, and then you can, you know, make the profit and stuff like that on the back yeah. end. But I would take that money and go hard on customer acquisition. Like, period. Yeah. Because <laughs> you understand that <clears throat> once you acquire that customer, based upon your data, mm -hmm. you understand that a, a certain percentage of them are going to come back to you and right. rebuy. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially as you market to them via text and email and, you know, they, they follow your business pages and they see your content. Right. You understand that, okay, like, with the kind of product you have, it runs out at a certain right. month. Mm -hmm. So they're going to come back if they like the experience and they like the product. Exactly. So it makes sense. The more customers you can acquire mm -hmm. and have in your database, mm -hmm. the more opportunity you can have for sales yes. and yes. money. Yes. That's really, really good. <laughs> so what, what, um, how have you utilized email and let, let's talk about marketing, right? Because yeah. you've mm -hmm. done Facebook ads. You've done, I'm sure, every kind, every kind of ad, right? Pretty much. <laughs> What's your favorite marketing channel? By far, hands down, email. Email is the GOAT. Um, email will forever be the GOAT, in my opinion. I mean, things change all the time. Maybe 20 years from now, it may change. But e email is the own channel. Um, once you have the email address, you have direct connection and communication with the customer um you don't have to keep you know continue to pay to acquire them um you get to control the narrative as far as like the whole journey you know with email right. um and 
email is going to be, I mean, the average, if you can do about 30, 32% revenue from email, um, it's good, but it's a constant, you know, like yeah. if Facebook go down, if Instagram go down, whatever mm. go down. Cause um, you know, they're going to go down every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. You it's know. like inevitable, you know, things happen. So having that list is yours. And so you can right. mark it at any time, you know, two o'clock in the morning, if you want to seven o'clock, I mean, I don't, you know, like, but whatever you have complete control over it, so that's my favorite what email channel do you use um, clavio clavio okay yes, i love clavio. it i love it love and then one. like how long have you been using it and were you the ones that set up your flows yep i set up and that's another thing i i'm very like super hands-on with the brand like i learned everything in and out about the brand before i outsource it um 2019 is when I first started using Clavio. I signed up for a program, shout out to Brian Bowman. He has the uh, e-commerce underground. And so I signed mm -hmm. up for his um, program and he had like these, you know, where it teaches you how to do like the, the win back flow, the post purchase, the abandoned cart, like all those flows. Um, so I built them out all myself, customized it to my brand voice. Um, those take a lot of time too. I know a lot of people don't want to do them because they're so time. You did your own copywriting as well? Everything. Even, <laughs> even to this day, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm still yeah. in charge of my email. Wow. Okay. Um, and that's one thing that I think will probably be the last thing to kind of take off because, you know, it's your voice. Right. Like it's hard for someone else to it's take that hard. on. Um, but yeah, so the everything like and those, you know, as you know, the flows are automatic. So right. that's like revenue that's coming in without you having to touch like right. a manual campaign. Um, so, yeah, love Clavio. How often do you email clientele and how often do you text message clientele? So I'm one of those people. <laughs> I know a lot of that's a touchy thing, right? <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's crazy how, you know, a lot of times with brands, we don't necessarily want to email and text mm -hmm. often. But then we have our bigger brands that hit us over the head nonstop. Yeah. I'm not going to name any of them, but yeah. you know who you are, <laughs> right? And they hit us over the head nonstop yeah. with um, emails. emails. But we never, the majority of us never unsubscribe. We never unsubscribe. And I subscribe to that. Like, the thing is... Oh, so you hit people over the head with the email? I hit you over <laughs> the head. Like, the head everywhere. Like, what does it say? Success leaves clues, right? Yeah. And, Again, mindset shift. This is where I talk about different mindset parts through entrepreneurship, because in the beginning, you think from a level of personal feelings. You People don't realize, but they tend to think from a level of what they will want as a consumer. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be, ro be a roadblock in your business. You know, right. so for me, I don't worry about that. I say, OK, the more that I can send out an email and touch the customer, the more chances that revenue will come in from one of those emails being seen um because just because i send you as one person three emails a day you may only open one you may only see one right. you know it doesn't mean that you're going to see all of them um and so i think that a brand should email as much as possible that's in alignment with their brand um right. you know and for me that's i'm gonna i'm gonna email you and if you unsubscribe <laughs> That just makes room for people who want to who be wanted, on the list. Who actually want so, how, how often? So is it the same said, philosophy with text messages as well? Um, so yeah. my text messaging, I'm still in a process of working out a strategy. I have like the basic things on there, but I haven't. Uh, the strategy piece is on the to-do list, but it's there. It's yeah. in place. Um, and a big portion of revenue come from that as well. Um, but to answer your questions about the emails, um, I try to do about five a week. 
Um, and that's still probably not a lot to some, but mm-hmm. for some, that's a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so you write, so five a week and you have 52 weeks in a year. It's 260 emails, I want to say. Yes. Correct my math if I'm wrong. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, and this is the part about being strategic with me doing everything. So 20... That's, that's a lot of emails. That's amazing. That's a lot. But for 2019, what I did, I would sit for like two days, scratch two days. I would batch out like six months worth of emails that one time and schedule them out for half mm. a year. Um, and one thing that helped me with that is, as you know, coming up with email content can be very time consuming. Mm-hmm. So I came up with themed emails. Got it. So like okay. I have a mission Monday where I encourage send out mission. Well, like mission is like the mission to do something like buy somebody a meal today, like a homeless person mm. or something like mission related. Then we have uh, faith formation Wednesdays where we send out like faith a formation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a affirmation type of thing, but yeah. you know, faith based type. Um, and then we have Sunday service faithimonials, like testimonials, faithimonials. What we get. So having it themed takes the load off because you can, you know, the flow of it, you know, mm. you can just update it. So um, that helped out a lot. I love that. So you, you email, you text, you mm-hmm. do Facebook ads, mm-hmm. TikTok. TikTok ads, I've tried my hand at it myself. Yeah. Um, we're actually looking to possibly I get that outsourced to an agency just because, again, when you're doing entrepreneurship and you're trying to learn everything, at some point you have to realize, okay, you're not the expert at everything. And it's going to uh-huh. take so much output to try to learn a skill mm-hmm. and then to implement it. Right. Um, so I'm at that point to now with certain things. I just go ahead and just, you know, outsource it and see how that works or whatever. But um, TikTok is definitely like slated, you know. I like yeah. that. YouTube? Do you use YouTube? I've tried my hand at YouTube, yeah. um, but that's probably only the channel that we haven't fully fleshed out. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that's a lot of video content that you have to create. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can be, I could say, very time consuming. But yeah. I, I also think it's YouTube is like a long term play as yeah. well. It's a long term play. You know. And um, having a marketing plan in place for these channels, that's why that's important, because yeah. you're having to stretch your marketing budget across all these channels, yes. whereas if one channel is working for you and you're getting a certain amount, you really want to focus there before kind of like spreading the eggs. I mean, you still want to diversify, but it has to be, you know, make sense like a balance. So mm-hmm. that's why, again, where you asked about the next level, that's where funding and those additional resources to help to fully fledge out different channels additionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you in the very beginning, did you create a business plan? In the very beginning, I didn't create a business plan. Mm-hmm. I just free flow everything yeah no that's i think that's you know not that i you know it's, it's a figure focus right so we yeah. um you know now that we know what we know now that we know we know you know we encourage you to create a business yes. plan at the very beginning you know but at the same time i wouldn't encourage you to hinder you hinder like that to hinder you from starting yes right and i think sometimes we mm. you know i know that if i created a business plan from the very beginning that would have stopped me from like starting yeah because i i overthink at times right and and i'm a perfectionist Mm -hmm. you know i want everything to be perfect right you know and i think you know for some people getting out of your head and just getting started i think is so important yeah you can always come back like you 
yes. did and like I did and create that business plan, mm -hmm. you know? That so, reach. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't start it, but I guess you went back and you did it. Yes. So How was that? And that's the part, like, you, I absolutely love that because, like, you, a lot of people, if something's going to prevent you from starting, then don't allow, like you said, don't allow it to hinder you. Just jump in and then build the house as you go. Like, it's going to come back around. And for me, now that I'm in a level of growth and kind of getting things um, stable, it's necessary now whenever you're going to try to get funding and those things. Yeah. You know, banks want to see a fully fleshed out business plan. How are you going to utilize all these things? So for me, um, it was just kind of like sitting down and building it out where we are now and then forecasting out a five-year plan, where do you want to be? Like, and just right. building it that way. Um, and honestly, that's one of the things I'm working on now. Like, um, yeah. you know, different aspects of the business plan. So, it's very important. I'm just trying to figure out how you have all the time in the world to, like, do all this. Because you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you market, you manage the team, you know, you manage your household, you know, and you also are building out the plan. You talk with your accountant. You do a lot, you know, so mm -hmm. that's truly amazing. I was just thinking about that as you were <laughs> talking or whatnot. Um, but yeah, the business plan, I think, is so important. And I feel like it's going to be a challenge to get to, you know, mm -hmm. the eight figures if right. you don't have that. Right. I feel like you can hustle your way to seven. Yeah. You can mm -hmm. hustle your way to six, mm -hmm. seven. But in order to really continue to, like, elevate and go right. to that next level, mm -hmm. there's so many things in that business plan that we need to sit down and think about, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's your marketing strategy, mm -hmm. right? Your one, three, five, 10 year plan. Mm -hmm. um, creating a SWOT analysis, right? Looking yes. at what are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats right. to your business. Mm. All of those. Um, what are your core values? Yes. You know, like, yes. like, and then what's your core strategy? Mm -hmm. You know, really sitting down, I think for us, we have been doing that this whole year. We did it in past years, but feel like, you know, the more years you're in business, like things start to slow down for you mm -hmm. and make more sense. Right, like, right. And things are starting to make more sense now to the point where it's like, okay, um, we feel like we can actually get to that next level mm -hmm. and do less, right? Whereas, yes, yes. But that's sitting down and creating a strategy. Yes, yes. Whereas if there was no strategy, you're just... Spinning your wheels like a hamster. Whatever, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. this, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? Yeah. Let me do it all, yeah. you know, but now... Saying, you know what, I'm going to not do this. I'm mm -hmm. not going to do this. I'm mm -hmm. going to focus my attention on this. And I'm going to market it and I'm going to perfect it and mm -hmm. be the best at that. You right. Know? Yes. You know, so I think like really sitting down and mm -hmm. doing the strategy, planning. That's it. All those things are so key mm -hmm. to really like elevating. Yeah. You know, so with that being said, you, I'm sure you created your USP, your unique selling proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, what is your competitive advantage? Why why should someone buy from Strands of Faith versus all so the I, other <laughs> hair care products out there? What um, separates you, I guess? I mean, so Strands of Faith, I like to say that we are, we're faith-focused but community-focused. So, like, we I always say we're more than a beauty brand. We're not just a beauty brand. We sell products, of course. You know, that's our focus. We sell beauty products to help you get good moisturized hair, link retention, all that good stuff, good mm -hmm. ingredients, all that. But for me, it's more about community building, like just getting women to believe that they are enough, they're worthy, mm. um, that their beauty is their beauty. Like they, you know, are beautiful. So many people have self-esteem issues and right. they feel like they're not enough. Um, society put all of these crazy standards on us to look a certain way. You got the BBLs and, you know, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with <laughs> BBLs for someone who... 
I suppose getting it for the right reason. You know what right, I'm saying? But right. some for the little girl who feels like that's the standard of beauty and doesn't know any better. It feels like her skinny shape is not, you know, it's just like strands of faith. It's just about having faith to build you up in life. Like so much is going on and all it takes is a little mustard seed faith to believe in whatever it is that you, you know, God place in your heart, vision, dream, goal. So it's like right. more than just hair products. It's just that that's the piece that you could probably say. I'm just like super passionate about outside yeah. of that. Um, so infusing faith with it has just been like an amazing experience and journey for me because I know some people try to remove that piece. You know, when you talk about yeah. political things, but I, don't, I think that's part of what makes the brand different and what stands out is just unapologetic. It's about authenticity. Be you. Mm. Like when you come to us, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We just appreciate and accept you for who you are. Um, and that's just a message that we, you know, desire to put out there and it resonates and we attract those type of, you know, people to come towards us. So it's, yeah, it's, I can go on and on, but yeah. I'll say, yeah. <laughs> no, that's really good. So I feel like also, you know, you said that a lot of women suffer with self-esteem issues. Mm -hmm. but on the flip side, there are a lot of men mm -hmm. that do as well. We yes. just don't really talk about it right. you know, like that. And we try to keep it inside. Yeah. Um, and social media, if you allow it, it can prey on those insecurities and make you feel like you're not enough. Right. Yes. And um, it's good to have a brand like yours say, mm -hmm. you know what? No, you're more than enough mm -hmm. and you're perfect how you are, mm -hmm. you know, and yes. and you know, embrace the beauty that you were born with right. and whatnot. You right. Know? Absolutely. So I, I, I like that a lot. Um, man, this has been an amazing conversation. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> I do want to talk about team as well. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. So when you first started, you were by yourself mm -hmm. in the business. How long did it take you to hire your first employee? So first employee was two and a half years in. So you were doing... Everything, Everything oh by gosh. yourself when for the I first oh, you So you hit seven back. figures by yourself? Yeah, by myself. Could you believe <laughs> it? That's what I'm saying. Sometimes when I look back on it, I'm like, this had to be a God-ordained thing, like right. ordering steps. And it just goes to show a testament. You were doing fulfillment, faith. too? Fulfillment, every single thing. From the shed. Oh, well, no, wait. I take that back. Fulfillment, I at that point, when it started to wrap up, I started bringing in friends. I okay. hired a few friends, and they came yeah. and worked in the face shed with me to pack orders and ship out and things nice. like that. Um, but they weren't official employees. Right. Um, you know, like, my first official employee was two and a half years in. Yeah. Um, like, W-2 employee. Um, but before then, it was just me doing everything, and, you know, that can cause burnout, um, and I think yeah. that's where a lot of people kind of lose their way and want to give up on entrepreneurship when they're doing it all is because when you're knee deep in the weeds and yeah. it's you doing it all, it can get overwhelming. Um, mentally, it takes a toll, like responsibility and stuff. And so some people pull out and be like, this is too much. Um, and so at that point, you know, I just knew to continue on and for my mental you know, sanity and peace, I had to bring people on. So that's how yeah. I got the ball rolling with that piece. Like yeah. contracting people first and then graduating to W2s. Man, that's amazing because you can you can like you like we said, you can hustle your way to seven figures, mm -hmm. right? But I think another way another thing that's gonna stop us from getting to eight is not bringing in the right people to help, right? <sighs> yes. <laughs> and, and and that's where I'm at now. Yeah. That piece, figuring that bringing in the right people. 
Yeah. Yeah. Notice how I say keyword, like yes. we both said right people. Yeah, right? the right people. It has yes. to be the right people because yes. um who you who helps you get to seven may not be who helps you get to eight. Right. You know, and that's okay. But I think that knowing when to say, you know what, it's I'm all this money I'm making, mm-hmm. I need to hire, I need to put it back out. Yes into the community to bring people in to help. Yes. Because if I don't do that, then I'm going to burn out. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I've seen countless amount of businesses hit the seven figure mark or hit the six figure mark Mm -hmm. and then end up leaving the business, Mm -hmm. not even selling it, but just walking away from it. Right. You know, and it's so unfortunate is because burnout happens, things (sighs) happen, life happens. Yes. And so now you don't necessarily have the energy to keep going, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, having the right people come into the team, you know, training them well, mm-hmm. them buying into their role, them working out of integrity, mm-hmm. you know, I think is is huge because huge. now it helps your job become less strenuous, you yes. know, and now you're yes. able to focus, you know, you're going to get to a point, I feel like I'm going to get to a point too, where we're just going to be the visionary. Yes. We're going to really focus on yes. expanding and right. growing. The you actual know. CEOs, the corporate right. way, you know? Right. <laughs> so, no, that's absolutely right. And for yeah. me, like, that's, I think that, I would probably say that's the phase I'm in now. When I say hiring the right team, of course, the team that I have right now is phenomenal. But when I say right team, I mean, like, the um, the level of strategy that's needed um, yeah. of those okay. people who already have experience to come in and say, okay, this is where you are this is where I see we can go. This is how we can implement this. This is how we can get the ball rolling. And when you're at a level at this, you know, level is critical, as you said, to bring the right person because one wrong person can wipe you out. You know, you mm-hmm. can have a yeah. major setback and it's harder for mm-hmm. smaller business to recover for something like that. So it's kind of like you almost got one shot or one chance to get that person right. And then at the same time with knowing that that's what kind of Keep you in a row of keep going and going and going because you're like, yeah. okay, I can only do this, do this, do this. So it's kind of like a uh, like a double edged sword. Like you gotta delegate and get it off, but then you're like scared. But it's just something. It's another risk thing. You just yeah. gotta take that risk and do it. Um, and you literally have to train and yes. trust. Train and trust. That's it. Right. Train and trust. <laughs> you have to train and trust, and then those people that you train and trust. They'll be, they'll move into leadership and then they have to train and trust. Exactly. Yes. So that's now yes. you're going to get to a point where you lit, where we have to motivate the people that we hired to do the same thing that we just did with them. Exactly. <laughs> See that? Whoo. <laughs> because if not, then now that person, you'll see that person covering for mm-hmm. other people on the team versus. Yep. And when you cover for somebody, you're not necessarily allowing them to grow and expand into who they should be. Yes. Yes. And that can prohibit them from reaching their maximum potential. And then obviously prohibits us from reaching that next level in our business as well. You're so right. You know, (laughs) like for real, for real. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you say you have four people. Um, you have, you know, you said, no, the no. person, a project manager for the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And then who are the other three people? Uh, the shipping manager. And then myself, of course, I'm the third employee, but I wear, you know, of course, multiple mm-hmm. hats. Um, and then the contract um, role. So, you know, customer service, right. you know, that's contract. Um, other key positions, they're all contracted. Um, and the goal is to just expand out the team, you know, to bring everything like full time in-house where we have our own robust team. So that's the 
the current goal that mm-hmm. we're fledging out. Um, but yes. That's amazing. I can see in your future you employing like 50 to 100 people in Mississippi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's, and that's the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship. Yes. Giving, making, creating opportunities, right? That's for it. the community that you yes. come from. Yes. Because you could have stayed in Dallas. You said, no, I'm, I'm going back home. Right. And part of the reason why you went back home was to also make a difference. Exactly. You know? And that's super important to me. Hiring yeah. within our community, being able to, you know, circulate those dollars, give opportunities, like very, very important to me. Um, that's actually part of my mission, like in our core values. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask you about this, right? This is um, everybody in e-commerce goes through this at some point. Chargebacks. Okay. Yeah. How has that yeah. been for you? How's that experience been? Have you had a lot of them? And you, you know, know, were they like legitimate chargebacks, or were they chargebacks that were sketchy? Like, how did that work it's out for you? It's so funny you ask that question because I used to be in groups that I used to always see people saying they got all these chargebacks and things like that, and I'm like, hmm. Like I at that point I had no chargebacks. Like probably in the first three years of business, I probably had. I don't know if I had to guess two or three. It wasn't much That's at it? all. Yeah, that was it. So I was surprised. Well, you must have people buying from you from the church, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> Shout out to all the saints out there. You know <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I, you know, didn't really get any chargebacks. Fast yeah. forward though, now to 2021, chargeback wise, we've probably maybe had about six throughout the whole year okay. this this year that's still not a lot but that's for less us than one percent i would think oh yeah it's yeah. less than one percent but it's still it was like a lot of, like for us and so mm-hmm. i started to kind of look into it and um some of them i would say about half of them were fraudulent like people you know buy and then they got it or whatever but then the other half and this is a tip for e-commerce people which they probably i don't know you probably do. I don't know why I didn't do it. But you know how Shopify gives you that alert about the fraud, high fraud? Um, at the time, me, of course, thinking of my, my little mindset, like, everybody is, you know, honest. Nobody's going to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that little fraud thing don't mean nothing, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so half of those end up being related to, you know, Shopify screen and saying, this is high of fraud. And yeah. it really was. So on those, you know, I lost, but it was a learning lesson for me. Mm-hmm. So now when I see that thing pop up, I, I don't even really reach out. I may reach out one time after, you know, I'll do my own analysis. But most of the time, I just refund back and mm. not even deal with it because I'm like, no. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I know there was somebody in the hair industry, um, a bigger name. I'm not going to disclose, but I remember her saying that she averaged like $21,000 a month in chargebacks. And, uh, you know, that industry, the hair industry. That must to be like, in the hair industry, we've... Yeah, oh, okay. extensions okay. and stuff like okay. that. Like yeah. that's that's the industry that I'm sure goes through a lot of that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I can um, see that. And it's just unfortunate that you know that happens. Super you know? unfortunate. You know, and oh, I man. think that um, for small businesses, that could wipe you out if you don't have the right procedures Absolutely. and policies and budget for that. Yes. Know? Oh my gosh, that's I, I, I just oh my gosh. <laughs> Shout out to the hair industry because I have heard that that's yeah. high, you know, with people who do that. And that, like you said, for a small business, that can put a lot of strain on it because just mm-hmm. the management piece to go and fight those, you know, that takes time. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Whew. 
You said that you started out with contractors before employees. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a mindset shift around the employee part? Because I know for some people that I've worked with, they've been like, I, I don't necessarily know if I want to hire employees because, you know, if I was to let them go, they'll file for unemployment. I got to pay that. I got to pay payroll taxes, <laughs> you know, all the yeah, additional all expenses, yeah. uh, insurance, right. you know, all the different things that you have to, you know, handle for employees. Was there any of that in your mind or what was the reason why you didn't go employee route first? So for me, I wanted to, whenever I hire employees, I want to be able to give them the best salary or the best benefits and all Mm -hmm. those things that's going to come along with it. So in order to do that, the business has to be in a healthy place to be able to, um, to do it. So contract for me was like, okay, this is how I'm able to utilize, get the work done that I need so that revenue can grow so that it can support a bigger position. Um, I didn't really think about, I mean, payroll taxes are a doozy and all those things, but that's just a part of doing business. So I didn't, look at that as a way to uh, deter me. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that I had that the, you know, the foundation and the money there, because the thing is when you bring on W2, that's a responsibility. It's like yeah. outside of your household, you have now have the responsibility of making sure that you're funding other people's households. Once right. these employees come and I take that very seriously um, for me, you know, my employees, I'm going to treat them how I want to be treated. So in my mind, I look at them as family. Like, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to compensate them and treat them on that standard. In order for me to do that, it has to be set up in a way to where I'm able to. So that's why, you know, I just laid a foundation first and do baby steps to build myself up to that point. Yeah. So that was my process. Listen, man, you you can't fool around when you have people on your team when it comes to your money. Yeah. Right. A lot of the things that, you know, we would do before we had employees, that has to like go out the window. Yeah. I think that's why some people say I don't necessarily want to hire an employee just yet. Or, oh, you know, okay. because I kind of want to spend the money how I want to and just be free. Gotcha. But the discipline yeah. that you have to develop, right? Because yes, you have to have a discipline. Right. If you're buying whatever you want in the business versus, you know, looking at it as this is the business's money. Right. And this money that is made through the sales right. needs to be reinvested to now buy the things that we need to sell. Mm-hmm. And you're just like using it for whatever, then now that jeopardizes someone's check. Right. 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 That jeopardizes. And now if you jeopardize that person's check, they have bills that are due Mm -hmm. that they can't pay. Right. And they have kids that need to eat Mm -hmm. that probably won't be able to eat. Exactly. The place that they live, they got to pay the rent or the mortgage and they probably can't pay that. And then now they're in a big hole. Yeah, exactly. You know, so what we do is so important as like CEOs, Mm -hmm. you know, like really managing the money properly. Exactly. And making the right decisions. Right. Because that could literally take out. A, a whole family. A whole family. And that's the part of businesses that people, I mean, I know they see the glitz and glamour, but the management piece is probably one of the hardest pieces. You have to learn, again, challenge yourself to learn the P&Ls, like everything dealing with your finances so that you can know your money story and what you can and can't do. Because like you said, blowing through that money, it's not your money. It's the business money. I tell people like, I'm Amika. I ain't going to say I'm broke because we ain't going to speak that into the <laughs> atmosphere. But I'm, you know, I'm just living, you know, SOF. I'm building up to get to the point to where it can give me financial freedom. But mm-hmm. anything that happens, this is SOF. I'm Amika. We're two separate different entities, you know. Um, so I treat it as such. And to your point, that's why with the employees, that's a fixed expense. 
whether right. I'm at a loss this month or at a positive this month, they have to get paid, you know? And so I have to make sure that things are in place that the fact continue. that you know what a fixed expense is versus a variable expense. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> yes. that's, 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 that's huge. Yeah. Right. You know, so like a fixed expense, like you said, you know, it's fixed every single month. You understand that that's an expense that you're going to have to pay, whether you make money in your business or not. Right. So you have the salaries, you have the rent, you have utilities, mm-hmm. uh, well, utilities in some instances can be variable insurance, right? Different things that are the same right. amount of money or within the same amount of money every single month. Every single month, right. Right, whereas marketing, that could be variable. That could be variable. Mm-hmm. You could spend a lot one month and then turn it off the next month. Absolutely, right? yeah. So I think that's 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 great, that's mm-hmm. a great, you've been dropping gems this whole <laughs> episode, you know, um, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, it's, it's cool to see, you know, where I know we met like during the pandemic. Well, uh, toward the end of yep. 2020, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. on Clubhouse. Right. Yep. I don't remember what room it was, but I remember I did a bunch of rooms back then. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and was it the seven figure focus? What was it on Clubhouse? The room seven figure. Seven? Well, it, it's always been a figure focus, but that's oh. where the whole idea of a figure focus actually okay. started. It yeah. actually started on Clubhouse. On Clubhouse. Yeah. Okay. So I think I probably titled the room like that. Okay. Yeah. You know, and uh-huh. then you were in there uh-huh. and you came on the stage and you were, yeah. you know, giving a lot of value mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. And just to see, you know, I even knew, I, we spoke about this right before we recorded about how, you know, you've taken on a lot of different mindset shifts about mm-hmm. how I remember I asked you to host the clubhouse room. <laughs> yeah. This was a year ago. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I'm not interested right yeah. now. And then you said now where you are now, you would easily do that you right. know, with no issue. Right. Where did that that confidence come from? Wow. You know, I would say therapy, number one. Therapy, therapy, you know, you know, as a you know, I'm a believer and I know some people feel like being a believer and mixing therapy don't mix because you're not trusting in God or whatever. But I beg to differ. And I would like to tear that narrative down because Mm -hmm. um, I think we have so many unresolved traumas um, that we go through in life in general, you know, and in business is going to show up. Like you don't think it's going to show up in business, but it does. Um, So going to therapy just helped me to kind of like redefine myself figure out who I truly am, uh, find my voice. It helped me. I used to be very big on being a people pleaser, um, very big on yeah. caring what people thought yeah. about me, whether they like me, all those things. And, you know, to a certain extent, it still matters, mm-hmm. but not to the detriment of you breaking down mentally or going into like a crowd. Oh, this person said this mm-hmm. and they, they got, you know, all of that. So for me, I had to get all of that out and say, okay, who are you? Who are you truly? When you look in the mirror, like, what do you feel about yourself? Like, are you actually just like, Oh my gosh, you got me feeling like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no, but no, it was, it was just really coming into my own and, yeah. um, just trusting God. And I said, it got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to show up as my authentic self. Whoever relate with me, relate with me. Whoever don't, they don't. They're not mm-hmm. my people, you know. And when I did that, it's like everything just started to just flow naturally. Things just started to come. Even through, like, meeting you and the connections, yeah. like, all the things that's been happening lately, it's just been, like, God ordained. And it all happened as a result of me just letting go, you know, letting yeah. go. and just showing up unapologetically as myself. Um, and so to answer your question, as a result, I was like, you know what? 
my purpose here on earth is to go out, tell my story, just be me and um, kind of come out of my shell a little bit because I'm introverted. And at the mm-hmm. time, I was kind of shy. I'm still a little shy, a mm-hmm. little bit. Some people be like, no, you're not. Because I think <laughs> I said that to you and you're yeah. like, no, <laughs> no, you're not. Um, but just that, that therapy, prayer, meditating has just really helped me to just come into my own. And quite honestly, I haven't completely arrived. I'm mm. still arriving. It's still a journey, you know? Yeah. Um, so I show myself See, it's pretty grace. much saying like there's still a lot of growth that you are going to encounter. and, and you know. Ton. And I, yeah. I welcome it. I look, that's the yeah. beautiful part about it is now it gives me freedom to fail, to fail yeah. and to not take it personally as part of something that defines me. But it gives me the freedom to just be able to do so um, and remove it from myself so that once I fail, I can take the lesson from it. Try it again, like re- reiterate and reiterate. So it's just been a beautiful journey. That's yeah. what I can say. <laughs> that's amazing so the therapy part you know I'm, I'm glad that you actually talked about that mm-hmm. you know because yeah. um, I feel like I've been hearing a lot about the greatness of it and, and what it yes. can do mm-hmm. to really help you so you feel like when you started doing it I'm assuming you started in 2022 or was it 2021 it was in 2020 oh in 2020 yeah oh nice yeah and then are you still doing it or like, I actually took a, a pause, but I'm going to start it because I realized the value in life period. You know how we go to the doctor for checkup yeah. and stuff. I think having a mental checkup or having that someone to vent to and talk to is needed. I just yeah. feel like it's. Yeah. So I'm going to definitely start back. <laughs> I love that. You um, were you going in person or was it virtual? It was virtual. Um, okay. Better help at the time. They paired you with um, like a therapist, like you can do fill out this form. And so we met, I want to say, I don't know if it was twice a week, but we met virtually face to face, like a Zoom type of thing. So mm-hmm. we were still able to see each other. Um, and it just felt good talking to someone and just yeah. rehashing your trauma or whatever and letting them to give you unbiased, you know, viewpoints. Right. Like, have you thought about it this way? Have you thought about this? And there's like no judgment. You know, it's no one, you know. So it's not like they could take past experiences and form anything about you, you know. Right. Um, so I think that was very therapeutic for me. Very therapeutic. So. Wow. <laughs> wow. I think you're going to have a bunch of people sign up for therapy <laughs> as they, they watch this for sure. No, this is good. This has yeah. been a great episode. You know, we appreciate you for flying all the way down from Mississippi. Absolutely. And, and joining us in person here in Houston. Yes. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yes. Um, I can be found um, strandsoffaith.com, www.strandsoffaith.com, on all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and then my personal platforms. It's just Amika Coleman on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. So Strands of Faith and Amika Coleman. She's an influencer, y'all. She has like 40K <laughs> followers on her personal page. I saw that today. Yeah. I was like, man, I, I got to get my following game up. <laughs> well, you know, that happened actually back in the day when I uh, was doing the whole hair thing. Okay. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. that's how you built. Yeah. I like that. Uh-huh. I like that. Real quick, before we jump off, um, you talked about community earlier. How big is your community? Is it, and is it on Facebook or is it on Instagram? Like, where is your community? So community, I actually just 
again, part of mindset. It's so funny how this conversation keeps coming back to mindset. Yeah. Like, why is that? I don't know. But um, we started at the end of 2020. Wait, this is 2020. At the end of 20, no, at 2021, I started a Facebook group. It's called the Faith Tribe. Um, and I kind of wanted to be a community where we can get together and to speak and see each other like, you know, in a virtual community or whatever. Uh, but initially. Who, who runs it? Um, so I initially ran it and I recently okay. hired a community manager. Shout out to Nene. She is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Um, about three or four months back. So, she so you were doing this on top of everything else? You yeah. <laughs> and it was that it was a lot and yeah. so that wasn't getting my full attention you know okay. because you know but i had it there and like the you know everybody would interact with each other and share stories and stuff and so that sisterhood is amazing because yeah. yeah so they did that um and then of course um email but mostly i don't really do much on um instagram besides having a presence just to you know have the business presence but it's mostly that uh facebook community that we've been building out which what I was saying about mindset is it took me a while to build it out because like mentally I'm like, is anybody going to join my group? And, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and then you see all these people who love you and oh, you're going to get me started. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're giving me some courage. Cause I'm like, man, should I start a group? Is anyone going to join? So you, okay. You no. definitely, you yeah. definitely, because actually when you did the podcast, I remember when you did, uh, you said you was going to start the podcast. Yeah. Um, I remember I jumped in your inbox. I said, Ephraim, if you need a guest, I'm down for you. Yeah. you and I did that because like prior to, like, even though we had never met each other um, virtually, you have just been such a light online, you know. Ah, Ephraim, <laughs> see? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate the, the kind words. That means yeah. a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I just, just wanted to say, give you your flowers because you, uh, I just see you always supporting people, entrepreneurs. You're, uh, <laughs> You're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> You're always putting a hand back, you know? Yeah. And... And you don't see that too often, so just thank you. Yeah. Just thank you. No, I, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, you know, my, my goal is to, you know, impact the world, you know, mm -hmm. and through something that I, I enjoy and love, you mm -hmm. know, which is business and stuff, yeah. especially our, our community. Right. And it's like if, you know, our schedules are busy, right? Right. And just taking that additional time to really, like, do things like this, mm -hmm. I think is... Is so important. And I think if everyone's doing something in right. their own way, right? Like, you know, we have people that are in politics. We have people that that march. We mm -hmm. have people that do certain things. If mm -hmm. we all do what we're great at, I mean, the sky's yes. the limit Absolutely. for us. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> so I appreciate you for coming down. Thank you so much from for Mississippi. Me. This yes. is the. I'm not going to continue it. <laughs> like, I could keep going all day, you know, yeah. but, you know, I really appreciate you. And I'm sure this won't be the last time you'll be on the platform. I'm sure yeah. we got some other things we'll do in the yeah. future. Yes, definitely. Well, thank all you right. so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Mm -hmm. This is A Figure Focus, episode eight. And until next time. <laughs>